Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The White House getting pressed today on its reaction to protest inside of China, what it says and what it refuses to say about what's going on. The White House today responds to anti-lockdown protests happening in China, which in some cases have snowballed into demonstrations against the Chinese regime. Our message to peaceful protesters around the world uh, is the same and, and consistent. People should be allowed uh, uh, the, the, the right to assemble and to peacefully protest. But one thing John Kirby would not say is if the administration supports the Chinese protesters or their cause. Does the White House support the, their, their effort to sort of regain you know, personal freedoms in light of these lockdowns? The White House supports the right of peaceful protest. The Chinese regime has arrested some protesters, and in one case, a BBC journalist covering protests in Shanghai. But neither John Kirby on the podium nor a White House statement from Monday issued any condemnation of the Chinese regime's actions. Why not? We're watching this closely, as you might expect we would. And again, we continue to stand up and support the right of peaceful protest. And that's in contrast with how the administration responded to protests in Iran. Biden was quick to support protesters there, and Kirby on Monday said the U.S. would hold the Iranian government accountable. For the way it's treating its people. Meanwhile, Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn is calling on President Biden to, quote, stand up against Xi and support what she calls freedom fighters in China. Biden, who personally met with Xi Jinping earlier this month, has yet to personally comment on the ongoing protests. Our next guest, John Moody, served as executive vice president at Fox News. He's also recently authored the book, The World We Wish, which takes a dramatic look at the Chinese Communist Party from various perspectives and with what appears to be unprecedented civil unrest brewing all across China as we speak because of the CCP's zero COVID policy. We're happy to have John Moody on with us to discuss. John, thank you so much for joining us. You bet, it's a pleasure. John, from Wuhan to Beijing to Shanghai, um, Chinese citizens, uh, even in the Uyghur uh, region of Xinjiang, uh, Chinese citizens are taking to the streets. Uh, what do you make of this? I think it's unprecedented since the days of Tiananmen Square. Um, I think that Xi Jinping, the ultimate leader of China, uh, may have misunderstood the support that he has among regular Chinese people when he put himself in for a third five-year term as ultimate leader. He's the president, he's the leader of the Communist Party, he's the head of the military, and he has more dic more, more titles than a banana republic dictator. Um, and in doing so, he has now opened up himself as the only target to w in which you can express unhappiness. Uh, you, you can't blame the local party leader because the local party leader is doing what he or she is being told. You can't blame the medical authorities because they're afraid of the Communist Party. The Communist Party is Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is the party, and the party is China. And that's what's going on. People are tired of it. John, just how significant is this due to the totalitarian nature of the CCP, who also has a zero-tolerance policy for civil unrest? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, so far, the, the police have responded with some restraint. They have, in many cases, outnumbered the demonstrators. And you have to remember just how huge uh, the police force in China is all across the country, uh, but especially in big cities. The police have been 
uh, growing and growing in firepower and growing in authority for specifically these kinds of events so that they can be put down quickly and, if need be, violently. Uh, the thing about the, the likely response from the Chinese police and other authorities, you can stamp out dissent for a while, but it leaves bitterness, it leaves anger, it leaves resentment, and usually those things come back up again to, uh, to haunt you. Now, John, in your book, you uh, visit the CCP's total control over its population and people via science and technology. Do you think we're seeing this unfold with the so-called zero COVID policy? And what are some examples, potentially? Yes, it's an extension of that policy, exactly. Um, China is so far ahead of the rest of the world in researching and implementing artificial intelligence that most of, the re most of us don't understand how far ahead they are. They have spent hundreds of billions of dollars, I repeat, hundreds of billions of dollars on artificial intelligence. And they're now reached a stage where they can monitor every citizen of China, every one of the 1.6 billion Chinese. They can monitor their eye movements when they're crossing the street via CCTV. They can tell what their heart rate is if they have a watch on that is electronically powered. They can tell you if you are sweating when you're in a line to go through an airport security system. They use all of these things to determine the loyalty, the dependability of their own citizens without ever telling their citizens that they are being monitored and tested and having social credit scores given to them depending on their eye movement and their sweat. John, you know, when the book 1984 was written up until about two years ago, I think a lot of folks might have thought it was a fictional play. Uh, in your book, you mentioned your concerns with AI, specifically you call out Meta or Facebook, uh, formerly known as Facebook. Where do you see this type of technology going? Well, I think it's all going into the, the basket of more party control. Xi Jinping, remember, he's, he's the ultimate leader of China. He's also a very scared man. He knows that he's bitten off as much as any one human being can possibly take and still maintain the kind of control that he wants to have. He wants to maintain he wants China's military to become the greatest military in the world, surpassing the United States. He wants its scientific and technological divisions to be miles ahead of the rest of the world. And he wants complete control of the population. And after he's controlled his own population, he wants to control the rest of the world. He will use artificial intelligence. He will use the metaverse for the good ends of the party. Uh, and that goes way beyond China. They're, they're testing programs now and, and ways of introducing people into the metaverse that have never been thought of before, including injectables, where you don't just put on a face mask and look through it and see what uh, kind of game they're playing that day. You inject something and it goes through your bloodstream and you're not able to get out of the metaverse. Now, I don't know how far they've come toward achieving that goal, but it's something that they're working on. John Moody, author of the new book, The World We Wish. Thank you. Thank you. And there are different perspectives on the outcome of the Arizona election and how we got there, even from within the same party. Here to offer one perspective, we have former chair of the Arizona GOP, Randy Poulin. Randy Pullen, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Well, thank you for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Now, Randy, we finally got some results in the Arizona elections. What is your thought on the result, and did it line up with your expectations? 
Well, there were a lot of issues in Arizona. It's become a national issue. Maricopa County, which is the largest county, had severe problems with their equipment. Uh, there were 17 roving attorneys uh, in the county looking at voting centers, and 11 of the 17 ran into serious problems at about uh, two-thirds of the, the uh, centers they went to where they had technical problems with the tabulators and the printers. So that's that's a huge issue that needs to be resolved. Uh, and again, it's the county's responsibility to do that. They need to clean house, straighten things up so we don't have this problem again. The results of the election, I wasn't too surprised. I, I kind of thought that based on all the polling that maybe they were a little bit overstating what was going to happen. We didn't have a, a red wave. Uh, and I think it kind of goes back to uh, <clears throat> that we had a number of candidates who were uh, Trump supporters uh, endorsed by Trump. And they kept saying the 2020 election was stolen. And that didn't play well with our, our Republican Party. And so the party ended up being split, actually, between those that were the Trump what they call MAGA Republicans, and then everybody else. And so if you didn't agree with MAGA on everything, then you were called a rhino, Republican in name only, which infuriated a, a lot of our voters who did not vote for the Trump candidates. And I say that because if you look down the ballot to the, the highest race that we won, which was the treasurer's race, and Kimberly Yee, her vote count exceeded that of uh, Lake as well as Masters, okay? If they had gotten her vote count, they would have easily won their races. But again, that was just a split of uh, Republicans and independents as well who would not vote for Trump-backed candidates in Arizona. Now, the vote counting process, as you mentioned, Randy, took a much longer than expected and seems to have become the new normal since 2020. Uh, we used to complete this process a lot quicker. What do you think causes this, and do you think that we'll ever be able to fix the system? Uh, I think the problem was caused by uh, the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party, as well as Kerry Lake, saying, don't mail your ballot early ballot in, drop it off on Election Day, or vote on Election Day. So in prior elections, much, much more of the voting was done early. And this election, we had a lot of, of, of last-minute voting. It causes all kinds of problems because if you have an early ballot and you don't mail it in ahead of time and you drop it off on election day, well, they still have to check that signature and approve it that this is a valid a ballot. And then they open it up and they count it. And so uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ballots were turned in on election day, and those all had to be opened uh, uh, checked and before they could count them. And plus, we, because of the technical problems, Steve, that they had, we had a lot of problems with the tabulators, which means there were a lot of provisional ballots voted. Uh, because here's what happens. If you go to one voting center and you don't officially vote there because the machines aren't working, you can go to another center. Okay. But if you didn't unregister at the previous center and you went to the new center, it would show up on their records as showing that you'd already voted. So the, the best you could do was vote a provisional ballot, and then later they would have to cure that. Well, so there was a lot of work that went on at the county behind the scenes every day, 
Um, and uh, again, they <laughs> part of the problem they created because they weren't really prepared for the number of voters that were going to show up on election day as opposed to early voting. So that that caused a lot of the problem, too. Randy Poland, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.